Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, pretty PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and alongside me we got Freddy. Always keeping this spoopy. Always and forever also known as Nighty Night. Freddy and David are just playing studio tag. Yep. Like they, they just haven't they just haven't been in the same room with each other. Besides today. Yeah. yeah, besides <laughs> today, here at least. But, but just, yes. y'all just play a studio tag. It's fine. That's fine. That's okay. So David's not here. <laughs> But we are still a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is the podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. How to swallow. I'm sorry. I am human. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. That's like with a what? By pledge on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, continuing things going with our aquatic horror month coined, There's No Planet B. We are continuing things with Triangle. First and foremost, thoughts. Well, I gotta say, this is one of my favorite shapes. Um, <laughs> okay, just aside. <laughs> um, no, I love this movie. This movie is really fun. Um, I felt like I was had to get used to it 
in mm-hmm. the first couple, maybe like 15 to 20 minutes. And once it started going and stuff starts revealing itself, I was like, yes, this is right up my alley. I love, I love this it. type of stuff. And I mean, of course, we're going to break it down and stuff like that, too. But it's a time loop, basically. Yeah. And um, I don't know if people know this, but I was part of the Good Night Movie Club uh, podcast or not part of. I am part of that. Let's say you're still there. Yeah, I'm still there. <laughs> and we just did a time loop month. And this right. just brought me back to that. And I just love time loop movies. And this is really up there for me. This I feel is like clever. this is besides maybe Donnie Darko in my top three time loop movies of all time. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Yes. Oh, but man. I adore this movie. I thought the acting was really great. I think it was very believable. They were mm-hmm. very grounded. And what's her name? I'm going to pull it up right now. Melissa, Melissa George. George. Absolutely killed it. Mm-hmm. She's the one that carries this movie, and she yeah, is a out. very likable character. She's great. Um, you know, I, I, I love her as Jess. Um and honestly, I'm with you. I, I absolutely adore this movie. I, I've watched this movie countless times. Right. Absolutely love Triangle. And I think it is so much fun and it's just so clever. And it's it's still one of those movies that boggles my mind where I'm just like, how? Like, yes. how is this happening? But no, I agree with you about Melissa George as well. I mean, she nailed this role. And the same thing with Melissa George. I feel like Melissa George in the 2000s was pretty much what Samara Weaving is for us now. I can see like, that. She was in so many different types of horror films. She was in 30 Days of Night. She was in this. She was in... Um, I'm blanking on other ones that she's in right now, but um, I'm going to look that up because she was in a nice, a nice hefty amount of different type of horror films, and I I've honestly very much appreciated uh Teristas, the amityville horror like so she very much was you know just mm. in a bunch of horror films in the 2000s and and i feel like she definitely was that 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 nice like i guess thing to see when you're just like when you know she was in it you're just like okay acting's gonna be on fucking point right like i already i like i know i know what i'm getting myself into right here and it's funny because they're both actually australian samara weaving and uh, melissa george so I thought they that was also a movie together. They probably should. Yeah. I'm just saying. I think they're both from Perth too, but I don't know. Anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I I'm I'm right with, right there with you. I absolutely adore this movie. I think it's super fun. I think it's uh it's it's very different in yes. in terms of like these looping films that we usually get. And it's it's just an interesting movie altogether. It's, it's just the story so, is great. It, it's written in a way where a lot of moving parts have to fit perfectly together. Yeah. And it's a very intelligent movie. Yeah. When you actually really break it down, like we're going about to break it down, we can see a lot of moving parts that just work so well. And yeah. it just feels so natural about it. And, I, and that's the thing I have to really applaud about it is the writing. The writing couldn't have been better yeah. and everything just works. Yeah. And it just boggles my mind of how, how well it works, right. to be honest. And I even and, told you this before we started recording. I, I, I like on paper, this sounds like a movie that shouldn't work, right? But yet yeah. it did because, like, it, it, if anything, it, it's very stale in the. I guess when the loop first happens, when we first notice the loop, right? It's it's a pretty stale coincidence where it, it's just like okay. All right, you know, it, it, it's loop. She's seeing herself kill other people and herself again. So it's just right. like, uh, all right, pretty stale. But when you get to that portion of when that final loop happens and why she's doing this, 
it's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's it is very so, complex. Yeah, it is so complex, and it, I I love every moment of it. Man, fuck it, let's jump into this shit right now. Triangle, directed by Christopher Smith, released August 27th of 2009 with a runtime of one hour and 39 minutes, a budget of $12 million, and a box office, sadly, of $1.6 million, with a rating of 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. Well-deserved. I agree. I completely agree with that um, That rating. I mean, for me personally, this movie is just a fucking blast, and I definitely would probably, if I had to rate this movie, I would probably rate it quite high. Um... We open to our protagonist, Jess, crying and trying to comfort her son, Tommy, from having a bad dream, which we see a little bit later. (laughs) She shares that she thinks of something nice when she is scared, like being there with him. Then, title card. A montage of mundane suburban shit is happening while Jess um, is calling for her son so so they aren't late. She goes into the backyard, picking off clothes from the clothing rack Tommy is painting. Jess cleaning up a spilled uh, water paint cup, um, stopping when she hears her door buzzer. She goes to check, but nobody there. Asking her neighbor, who who was mowing their lawn, if they saw somebody ring her doorbell, but he didn't. She stuffs a bag of clothes, grabbing her keys on the counter, then checking a note on the fridge from Greg. It reads, The Triangle Harbor, 8.30. She uh, chucks the bag into her car, then uh, goes to grab her son so they can leave. Right off the bat here, it's just kind of like, okay, what the fuck's happening? Like, we we, we see the buzzer situation, and it's a very, kind of a a clear-cut sought, but when you're in it and you're just like okay but this is a horror film like what's going to be going on here and i assume you went in blind yes Um, no trailer no nothing didn't even read a synopsis awesome completely blind yeah so like in this moment like it's a very kind of a a a very cut and dry story right at this moment because it's just like like okay they're they're late maybe they need to go to this boat where like what maybe they're leaving soon who knows right so it's interesting that that we kind of get this context of where it starts so mundane. Yeah, it's uh, it's and like I love it, when we come back to it. It just <laughs> seems like a very ordinary life, but there's a lot of weird sequences that happen, like the door right. buzzer, and you're just like, "What the hell is really going on?" Right. Um, it's shot in a way where it's like not a lot of information is given, and that's supposed to create a little bit of suspense, but at the same time, a little bit of mystery. Mm-hmm. And you just see like just the normal day, the guys like c- cutting grass outside, and yeah. she's asking like, "Oh, did you see anyone ringing my doorbell?" And he's like, no, no, I haven't seen anyone. And you're just like, okay, all right, what, what's the point all of all right. this? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's none just of like, this makes sense. Okay. Um, and when we and it's shot on, beautifully too, right? It is shot too. well. Yeah, it's shot really beautifully. Um, and we will see a little bit later when we kind of talk more about the story. But we see that like, oh yeah, she's with her son, and then all of a sudden she's not with her son. What's up with that? But <laughs> yeah. then we get more context later. So it's it's a real good way to seed all of these moments. So it can come full circle afterwards. That's true. That's true. Like all this stuff is necessary. Right. All yes. this stuff is necessary. We see them driving out of town, cut to a man um, named Greg working on his boat called Triangle as his friends come aboard the boat to greet him. His friend, his friend Sally gives him a hug, apologizing for not being able to make it yesterday. Greg handling, um, handing her a compliment. She acts modest, her husband Downey cracking a joke about her outfit choice. She tells Greg not to listen to him that then shares that she brought along her friend Heather asking for him to be attentive. 
and I love the whole aspect of bringing like a friend along where it's just right. like like all right we're we're obviously trying to set you up you you got a boat or a yacht um which totally wasn't really a yacht it was totally just a boat it was like a kind of like a speedboat like yeah, but a small yacht we'll say a little all right yeah a scott i don't know scott. like what's what's a, what's a small yacht right uh but it, it's it's interesting like you can tell like greg is totally like not interested he's just yeah. like He's like, cool. I told you not to bring anybody, but thanks, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Sally goes back to her friend Heather. Greg reminds Downey that he told them not to bring anyone. Downey tries to hype up Heather with her appearance, which is also a very dickish move. But Greg is firm on the stance while going over to meet Heather. Sally introduces Heather to Greg, but his attention is turned when he notices Jess walking on the dock behind his boatmate, Victor. I love that Victor is fucking Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, that's true. That is awesome. Yeah. Like the fact that it's Liam Hensworth in this movie. When Wait, is it really Liam Hensworth? It's Liam Hensworth. Oh, I thought Hensworth. you were just saying that because no, it looked I'm like dead it, serious. That no, was it's him. actually Liam Hensworth. Wow. <laughs> like not, it's actually I him. That. And it's awesome because it's just like no one knew who the fuck he was until like. That is Liam Hensworth. That is Liam Hensworth. Hensworth. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> right? Good to know. Yeah. So it, it's wild that like he's even in this and now like I think he might be. He, I wouldn't say he's the biggest actor now because I feel but like he's Chris well is, known. He's now, well known sure. now. Yeah. yeah he's I mean, done his Games share of movies. Yeah. Help with that. But yeah, he asked if, if um, he asked her if she's OK. Victor passing him up, uh, passing him up, saying that he doesn't think so. And she told her she looked completely distraught. Right. Right. No son. She's by herself. She she looks like shit. Like yeah. she looks like she saw some shit. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and like that yeah. is such an interesting outlook behind it all because she does she doesn't look like she's in a good spot. Right. Uh, and to be honest, when I'm first watching this movie, I thought she was just drugged out. Oh sure. Yeah. I was like, oh damn, she did something after right. her morning routine. I guess. <laughs> Maybe it's a part of it. She gives him a hug. Greg asking her again. Um, her just brushing it off, claiming that she's just tired. Greg tells her that they don't have to go if she doesn't want to. She hesitates, saying that she wants to go. He smiles and brings on brings her on a board, introducing her to his friends. We have this really cool transition of them sailing, Victor trending to the to the ropes. And it is really cool. It's just like they go in and up and like they pass the cloud or no, they pass the bird and follow the bird and the bird flies back down towards them. And I love the aspect of the seagull. It reminds me very much of uh, the lot. No, not the lot. Excuse me. The lighthouse. Um, yeah. With the, the seagull being like a, a, a symbolic thing. Or something thing. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's really, really fascinating for this as well. Being the omen and also like a point break in the film in general. Of course. And I, I will talk about my theory a little bit later, but I have a theory about the bird and... I got, like I got a few. I got a few. Yeah, so we'll definitely cut, we'll touch on that. Jump to Jess asleep, waking up from a dream of being on the beach. Heather asks if she's okay. Jess asking about Greg. She lets Jess know that he's fine and upstairs. Jess tells Jess tells her she had a bad dream. Heather empathizing and offering her champagne. And like it, it's even in this moment where. Like, no one, I feel like right off the bat is just tripping off the fact that, well, I mean, Greg and is probably, isn't off the fact, like, right now, just tripping, like, where's her kid kind of thing? Because he asked Victor later. But it's interesting. Above, Victor asks Downey for a hand. He agrees to assist him. Greg asks Victor what happened to Jess back at the dock. He reminds Greg that he, sh that he said that she was going to bring her son along, yet she couldn't remember where he is. 
adding that she stared blankly, then said, at school. <laughs> Greg tells him, so? Victor reminds him that it's Saturday. Greg lets him know that Jess, Jess's son goes, um, oh, excuse me. Uh, Greg lets him know that Jess's son has special needs and has to go to school every day. Okay. All right. Interesting. And I think this is also another way for us to, you know, delete that that plot out of our mind. Right. Because right? it's just like once he says it's Saturday, because he didn't have to. They could have been gone during the week. Yeah. Right. Of course. But they took that aspect and like deleted that from our mind. I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. Exactly. That is, it's the perfect thing. It's like when you first hear that, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Where is her kid? And then when he comes up with that solution, we actually do find out. It's like, oh, okay. He does need special needs and he does go to school on Saturdays as well. But there's that long pause of just saying like, oh, yeah, it's Saturday. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, maybe he's not at school. Right. She's being very weird about it. But then you get that solution immediately after. You're like, okay, I'll let this slide. Exactly. It's weird that you said that. I'm going to keep that in my mind. But okay, I believe you. For right. Now. Yeah. So I mean, like. We'll see. He's at school. Yeah. It's like you would know better than me. It's your friend. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um. Victor goes back to work, Downey coming up to Greg joking about his relationship with Victor. Heather and Jess come back upstairs, Jess apologizing for being tired. He lets her know that she has nothing to apologize about, bringing her next to him on the steer. Greg allows her to steer, showing her the directions, the direction that they are going. Meanwhile, Heather is telling Sally about Jess and her relation to Greg. Heather mentions Tommy and his autism, Sally being a complete fucking asshole about this whole thing using the hard r word to describe Jess's son um that being her prop that and that being her problem i fucking hate that word yeah. and i hate that it's so I commonly agree. used in 2000s films like it's just fuck me god damn poor taste for sure it, it is it is and at the time it was just unfortunately it was just how people fucking talked Right. You know, and it's just like, ugh, that word is disgusting. Heather asks um, Heather ask her what her deal is. Sally claims that she cares for Greg. Heather locks eyes with Victor, telling Sally that she's attracted to him. And Sally reverts her attention back to Greg, claiming that she doesn't like uh, seeing Jess with him. It's, it's fucking interesting. It's just like, sounds like, Sally, you want to be with Greg. <laughs> right. <laughs> sounds like you want to be with Greg a little bit more than... Uh, Heather does here. Uh, Victor lets lets the sales go, pulling the boat towards the direction of the winds. Jess asks Greg how he knows everybody. He tells he tells her that Victor is staying with him because he's uh, got into some trouble at home and found him homeless. Then he mentions that he knows Downey since he was a kid and he's known Sally since high school. Jess comments that they seem nice, him adding that they feel um, obliged to bring him an eligible woman. They continue their conversation about how he came to the diner to specifically ask her to come sailing with him. She is taken back by the comment, Greg taking over steering for a moment to set course from Victor's instructions. Greg then asks about Tommy. Jess comments that he's the same, sharing her son's tendencies. She adds that she feels guilty when she isn't with him. Greg comments that she is a good mom. Heather interrupts their conversation by asking how they are how they are doing and immediately turns awkward. <laughs> Greg says they're good, just nodding. Heather asks Greg if she, if she can still just because Sally is dying to talk to her. Greg says that they are they are doing something right now, but Jess tells him that it's all right and she heads over to Sally to speak with her. And it's interesting because like Greg is oddly protective over her. It doesn't seem over like Jess. he's known her long. Right. Yeah. Like maybe, like maybe a few months 
And he's obviously attracted to her, which is why he probably invited her out. Right. So. And he kind of mentions that's like, oh, there's a reason why I went to that diner. To right. Out. Yeah. I just specifically wanted to ask you, how was it? You were hungry that now day. Now there's this random girl over here that I'm supposed to be with. Great. <laughs> Get out of here, Heather. God damn it, Heather. <laughs> uh, they continue sailing, but the wind completely stops. Greg claims that he's seen this before, but not so sudden. Jess asks if they can, if they can go, get home without the wind. He tells her that they have an engine, but comments on the weirdness of this happening. Why wouldn't you just start the engine right then and there then? Like, why? what are you waiting to see? Exactly. Uh, the fucking wind stopped. This all is, right, uh, let's, let's, let's turn the engine on now. This is where I'm confused. Do they have an engine or was it all sails? He said he had an engine. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, because she asked how are they going to get home. Right. And um, he said he has an engine. It'll okay. be fine. Okay. Um, but Then put that bad boy on. Let's go. Yeah, let's fuck. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Like, obviously, we shouldn't be in this spot. Let, let's go to where there's wind. <laughs> Downey points at his dark... Cl- um, Downey points at this dark cloud... Dark cl- Why did I do that? That... Is very wrong. I shouldn't have written it like that. Downey points at dark clouds with lightning firing through it, asking if it is normal. The clouds begin to loom over them. Greg calls for the Coast Guard, letting them know about the wind situation, asking if they have anything unusual. Yeah, but it just started going the other way. Exactly. You know? It's like, okay, cool. I see what's coming. Right. Why am I still waiting? Exactly. Like, obviously, it's a fucking storm yeah. above us now, and they're looming towards you, like, all right, call the Coast Guard once you get a little bit of some distance away from this storm. Right. Like, come on. See, that's what I'm saying. That's why there wasn't any black people here. The Coast Guard tells them uh, that nothing is showing up. Greg then shares the situation about the storm above. A woman uh, patches through the frequency crying for help and that a woman is killing everyone. Greg asks for the woman's position, but it just cuts to static. He tries to reach her and the Coast Guard, but static continues to flood the radio waves. I fucking love when we come back to this moment. Yeah, it's so cool. God damn. Sally calls to him above when he comes up away Waves are crashing towards the boat. He commands for everyone to get below deck and to grab the life jackets. They spring into action as the waves move faster and faster towards them and begins to rain. Greg and Victor above, trying to hold the boat steady, Greg yells for him to cut the sail. Water crashes below the deck as Victor continues to try to cut the main sail. Jess up heads above, Greg telling her to get back, but she falls down. He grabs her, shouting for her to grab onto the wheel. Meanwhile, below deck is fl- is, flood- is flooding fast. Heather is drowning. Downey and Sally are trying their best to keep their heads above water. And this is such a fucking intense moment. It is. The only thing that took me back Scares a little me. bit was the special effects. Hmm. It's not great. does not look very well. But at the same time, it still has the intensity of actually getting you in the moment of those characters sure. feeling scared for their lives. Right. You got to take like into consideration. They did a really good job with that. That's true. That is it's, true. And you do got to take into consideration that this is a film from the 2000s where right. CG was like, oh, we got to use CG and everything. Right. Yeah. And so it's just, why? 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 Why are you going away from practical? Yeah. Like, it, I get it. It's cheaper. But it takes still. away a little bit, but it didn't take me out fully. So that's good. That's I gave good. it a pass for sure. I'm glad I brought you back. The boat is flipped over by a large wave and sends the crew smashing into the ocean. They swim back up of the overturned boat. Sally asking if they have seen Heather. She begins to scream for her friend. And <laughs> I even put here CG is total 2000s as well. Um, but yeah, nice. It oh, is total yeah. 2000s. Yeah. We transition to the storm's past. Uh, we transition to the storm past and them sitting on the flipped boat. Greg goes to check in with everyone, asking Jess if Tommy is at school, ensuring her that he will be all right until they get back. 
Jess notices a large ship coming towards them. They all start to shout at the extremely large CG boat hugging uh, um Hugging and fr- hugging from happiness of being saved. They see the silhouette of someone staring back at them, and they all move onto the boat, just nervous to get onto the behemoth. And I love this. I love this how she's like, we shouldn't be here, but I don't know yeah. why we shouldn't be here. And that's my biggest curiosity of her not knowing why, even though she's gone through all of this. A shit ton of times. Right. And I, and is- I, think, I think, just think that's a part of it. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I think well, once I get into my theory, it may explain a little bit more, but we'll continue on. Right, they're all around the quiet ship. Victor shouting hello, but no answer. Jess seemed like she has a bad feeling about all of this. I've got a bad feeling about this. Uh, he asked Greg if they should wait. Greg suggests that they should go to the bridge to speak with the captain. Sally is asking Downey if he thinks Heather made it on board, telling him, telling her what she wants to hear, and. I mean, you know, I think I think I would have probably done the same thing. Like, yeah, sure, your friend made it kind of thing just to, like, calm them down because she totally was distraught about her friend. Yeah, she you was know. super sorry about it. Yeah, you it, felt it. That sucked. Poor yeah. Heather. Like, she really got the shit into the stick on this one. <laughs> I mean, they really all did. did. But still, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, she couldn't even at least be with them on the boat. Like, she had to, like, die by herself. Sucks. <sighs> Inside Promenade Door 6, Victor shouts for someone's attention, but nothing. The camera doesn't follow them, but then meets back with them in another portion of the hallway. Jess watching anxiously, looking behind her back, they continue walking, Jess stopping letting Greg know uh, that she feels like she uh, knows this place, adding that she recognizes the corridor. He tells her that uh, they look similar, but she is sure that isn't it. Vector calls them over to look at, at a photo of the ship from 1932. Downey, co- Downey commenting that it is the same ship spotting the, th- spotting where they boarded. The name of the boat is, I might butcher this everybody, Aeolus. Downey reading about the Greek god. He says Aeolus was the Greek god of the winds and the father of Sisyphus? Sisyphus? Sisyphus, yeah. I don't know. Sisyphus? I don't know, whatever. The man the man condemned by the gods to task of using a rock up a mountain only to see it roll back down again. And I wish Ryan was here so he could fucking read these names for me. But that's totally fine. Uh, Victor asks about what he did to deserve the punishment. Sally interrupting them, interrupting them that they made a promise to death that he didn't keep. Fucking love this context right here. Yeah, I love this because it's 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 first we get the whole thing of him having to roll a a boulder up a mountain as punishment just to restart just to, again, just to redo it all over again. It's, it's perfect for this. it. It's, it's perfect. It fits the story. It's genius. So well, it's yeah. genius. It's genius. It, it's the fact that like you know we're getting this Greek story in a more modern twist here, and it's yeah. fucking awesome. And and it's all because well we we'll get there. We'll get there because this is a part of my theory um, because it, it's very interesting. Like right what Sally says, she um, they, he was promised. He promised to death that he didn't keep. He made a promise to death that he didn't keep. And his promise to death was literally I'm, I'll, I'll die. Right. And right. he didn't die. So we'll get there. She asked for for them to keep on moving. They are about to continue walking until her attention is turned to keys f- falling and footsteps running in another direction. 
Victor picks up the keys. Greg also going to check out where the footsteps ran off to. Victor brings ba- brings back some keys with a flower keychain on them. Jess asks to see, then commenting that they are her keys. Showing everyone the keys, proving that they are hers. Sally uh, thinks, excuse me, Sally thinks that it is Heather, but Downey fights her on the possibility of the idea. They continue moving through the ship, making it to an empty uh, banquet hall. Victor grabs an apple, taking a bite out of it, then asking Greg for the time. He tells him 1130. Jess looks at her watch that says 817, it matching the clock above. Sally continues yelling for Heather, Greg shouting for her to stop, and them then instructing them. Jess looks behind her, seeing someone running in the back. She tells him that she saw someone, Victor not wasting any time to run after who could possibly be running. He doesn't catch them, calling out to them. Back with the others, Sally is, Sally is asking if it was Heather, but she didn't see. Greg tells them to wait for Victor as him and Jess leave into the hallway. Sally is about to follow them, but Downey stops her, repeating what Greg told them. Cut to Jess and Greg, her thinking that Victor is in danger. He irritatedly tells her that he's not in danger, and she apologizes for acting weird, telling him that she has deja vu, sharing that she knows this place. He stops her, saying that she doesn't know this place, asking her if she feels guilty about Tommy. It's interesting that he even says that. Yeah, such a bad move. (laughs) Such an interesting line there. She looks down the hall, them both hearing a sound coming out of room 237. Shout out to The Shining. Right. Greg knocks on the door, no answer, and pushes the door open. They walk inside, slowly go into the bathroom, seeing the words, go to the theater, written in blood, which actually kind of looks like that fake blood that you get at like those Halloween stores. You just kind of yeah, like just post put your it on the wall. And stuff like yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> it does not look great, but it's fine. <laughs> Looks like blood jelly, I guess. I don't know. Uh, back with Victor, she's uh, still looking for the person that ran past them. He walks up to the upper deck, hearing a bang coming from inside the corridor. He is about to head inside, but stops to call out to someone yet again. Meanwhile, Greg is looking at a layout of the ship. They begin walking down the hall, Jess commenting about the message on the mirror written in blood. He comments that the crew is messing with them, Jess not thinking that adds up. And why would you think that? Right. Why would you? Why? Why? It's like, oh yeah, we're just going to be on the ship and the crewmates are just going to be messing around with us. That makes perfect sense. Why would they do that? Well, on this huge ass ship. They're just going to like fucking make like mess with you guys this way. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. What did you expect was going to happen? They're going to be like, surprise. We're gotcha. here in the theater. Welcome aboard. Here, here's some <laughs> snacks. Like, <laughs> he asked her about what her theory is. <clears throat> Excuse me. She tells him that she, uh, she doesn't know, but she is in shock and she is getting off the ship. Greg shouts about how boats operate to her, but then insults her. He, and he doesn't even like shout about how boats operate. He just mansplains it. Yeah. Like completely mansplains it. He does that it. a lot in this movie. He does do that a lot in this movie. It was very satisfying to see him die repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> she claps back. That's right, boo. Reminding him about her son waiting at school. Greg apologizes but goes towards the theater room. Sally and Downey, who I will refer to now as the couple going forward, just because we we see them together a lot. Yeah, the whole time. Pretty much. um, Are walking down the hallway when Sally notices blood. She follows the trail, calling for Heather as Downey tells her that uh, they need to go to the theater. She points at the sign, showing him that they are headed in that direction. They make it inside the theater. Sally trying to figure out whose blood that was. Excuse me. 
Meanwhile, Jess is in the ballroom. And by the way, everybody, I've been getting comments of why I say excuse me so much. It's because I actually slightly burp because I'm drinking water. Um, and that's why I say excuse me. <laughs> it's just a courtesy thing because I'm in front of people. <laughs> so that is why. Um, but they make it inside the theater. Uh, inside the theater, Sally trying to figure out whose blood that was. It was funny. It was like I got a comment. Like a few DMs were just like, why do you say excuse me so much on the podcast? What do you like? Is someone because walking past hear it. you? Yeah. yeah. And you don't pick it up. It doesn't pick up at all. But the that burp. is why. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jess is in the bathroom calling out to the couple, but no answer. She looks at the food, noticing that it is all rotten. There is a bang behind her. She hides behind a pillar, noticing Victor covered in blood, limping into the room. She goes to him, asking what happened, but he begins to choke her. At this moment, what are you thinking? I'm confused. You're just like, why? Why did he snap? Like, <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it's very interesting because I feel like this was a, I don't know, because at this point, I don't know this is a time loop mm-hmm. movie at all. As you should. It doesn't a, really give much away on that. A ghost possession movie, maybe. Oh, sure. Just, or maybe something like kind of like what we saw in Sea Fever, where like people are like getting driven mad or mm-hmm. just crazy. And I was just very curious, like, oh, did someone shoot him in the head? Because I thought he got shot in the back of the head. Yeah, but we find out that, what it was. He had that little boo-boo on his head. Yeah, but at the same time, it wasn't really like a gunshot. It was like weird it was like mush. A, yeah, yeah, it was like a, like a pus Yeah, very pussy hole. disgusting. I didn't like it. Yeah. And she touched it, and I was like, oh, don't fucking touch it. Um, but no, at this point, it's like I have no idea what's going on. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. She lets out a dry scream as he drops her to the floor and she tries to fight him off. She grabs a, she grabs a wound on the back of his head and smacks his head onto the chair, killing him. Jess tries to check up on him, but he is startled by but she is startled by a gunshot. She runs upstairs towards the couple, crying over Greg as Downey tells Greg to stay with him. Sally runs over to Jess, calling for calling her profanities as they sh- um sh- um shot him. As she sh- excuse me, Sally runs over to Jess, calling her profanities um and that she shot him, and it's just like no, I didn't. Yeah, right. And this is this is even more adding to that confusion, right? We're just like. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, I was nowhere near Greg. Right. So at this point of the movie, this is where I thought, like, maybe she's crazy and we're having, like, a very um, unreliable storyteller, essentially. Interesting. That maybe she is the one that's actually doing something and maybe she killed that other guy or hurt him prior. Right. Which that's you're not she wrong. Was like, that's true. I guess. <laughs> uh, which made him, like, try to attack her and stuff like yeah. that. And then maybe she was the one that did shoot him. And right. we're just not seeing the events happen because we're just following her storyline. I very much enjoy stories like this. Um, you know, I've, I I see these stories all, not a lot, not not too much now. But you know, you got this this kind of same exact story in something like High Tension, Alexander right. Aja's High Tension, or in Shrooms. I'm not too sure if you've seen that. Um, which it was the whole aspect of like, oh shit, they were the killer the whole time, kind right. of thing. It, and it's it's such an interesting kind of playback on that but this one to me just does it so fucking well same thing with with um high tension as well i do find that to be done in a very very uh i guess well manner and it's it's fucking brutal as all hell and i, I really enjoy that movie but it's just me jess tells the tries to tell them that she wasn't with greg she goes over to greg sally ripping her away from him jess tells them that she was with victor saying that someone attacked him downey looks at her suspiciously asking her why she told them up to go to the theater she tells them that she didn't looking at sally repeating that she that she didn't sally calls offensive mental disabled slurs this bitch <laughs> it's just like i i just like i've had enough with her right. at this moment i'm just like okay let's 
let's carry on. She is shot in the arm, screaming from the pain, a downy rushing over to her, then getting shot. And by she, I mean Sally was. Jess runs over, runs and takes cover, watching a masked assailant fire rounds at them. They shoot Downey, killing him. Jess try, dra, uh, tries dragging him, dragging a screaming Sally out, um, but then she is also taken out. Awesome. Jess runs out of the theater, um, and those kills were actually brutal. Brutal. Yeah, like, no, no. they were fucking intense. Shout out to the sound design team because it sounds so like hard hitting every gunshot and you see yeah. it like not only hit the person but they like flail back and you can feel like right. the impact and everything and the sound design was so good i agree um and no yeah it's something that was very surprising for me even having this be my first watch i was like okay what is going on and then this is where it gave me those like bioshock vibes it's like oh is this oh, just like crazy people on this boat and they are hiding and they're trying to like right. mess with them and yeah. kind of put the blame on each other so at this point still i don't know what's really going on at this point like when i first saw this i thought it was it was um kind of like a stranger situation this is before sure. strangers but yeah um it, it, like i felt like oh did someone like is someone just just sneak up on this bus and maybe it's one person you know like killing all these people and then the actual incident happens for the for the actual plot like i don't even know if you could really call it a twist per se um because like it's it literally it's just like fuck this is the story now we're in it like right. the, like this wasn't even the story yet like we know, we just got it a is. faction yeah, it's crazy. of it. Like yeah. it's such yeah. a weird. Oh my god, fuck this movie is rad. Jess runs into the boiler room. She hides. Um, and no lie, she go running them wedges, bro. Uh, she <laughs> hides from the mass killer and goes into the kitchen, grabbing a butcher knife for protection. She hears them walk inside. As she takes cover, she waits until they move move so she can continue her way out of there. Jess heads to the upper deck, looking for a lifeboat, but they are all gone. And I love that, how you just hear the chains and you see all of the chains of where these lifeboats are supposed to right, be. Swinging. Nothing. That's it. Fucking yeah. genius. She heads below, heading for, uh, head, um, excuse me. She heads below, hearing running footsteps above her. She is hit in the back of the head with the butt of the gun, asking for the masked person to not shoot her, sharing that she has a son. And I love this. I love this. Because the, the footsteps that we hear above... Dude, it's the it's the loop already starting again, and I right. fucking think this is so genius because <laughs> it's just the second uh, alternate of the loop. Because we see two alternate of these loops. Yes, and it's it, the, yeah, the yeah. one that we're going through right now is the first one right. that the, two the other Jess goes through is one scenario, and then the second scenario is happening above her, right. which is so fucking cool. And that's the crazy part is that each loop. One shorter than the other, so it overlaps exactly. Itself. So it's just and we see it overlap at a point it. too, and that makes this setting so perfect because the, the I'm going to call it a cruise ship, but the ship itself is so big that it can carry all of these events without right. them really meeting up. Meeting up, yeah. and they do meet up as well. But at the same time, it's big enough where the first loop you don't see anything, mm -hmm. so it gives it the perspective of like, oh, this is not a time loop. Right. And then we see the other perspective <laughs> where it's like, oh, this is a hundred percent time loop. Fuck it. So it, it's smart. Fucking so smart writing. Genius. I love it so much. They take a shot, but she grabs the barrel of the gun, moving it side to side and it missing her, which seems absolutely impossible. Your hands are going to burn or something like <laughs> a barrel of a shotgun and you're just moving it side to side and you're just what? Nah. She's powerful. She went to the I gym guess earlier so. that day. Yeah, shit. Part she of must... her morning routine. Part of the drugs. 
<laughs> they take a shot, but she grabs the barrel of the shotgun, moving it side to side, and then missing her. She kicks the person off of her and makes a run for it. She, um, uh, and I, I love how you actually see this point in time that the killer is also wearing the wedges. I didn't notice it, but so I'll show you I, catch that. I would have assumed. Of course. Yeah, rewatching this. But uh, like when you see that and you're just like, huh. Like, like I didn't know. I don't think I noticed it my first time, but I know, right? (laughs) You got what I got. Uh, But I I thought that was very interesting that you see it right off the bat and how, like, how actually it's very on the nose with this story, right? Like this, this, this story is not really trying to hide much from us here, which is quite exciting. Jess tries to hide, but the killer fires two missing shots at her. She is about to jump over the ledge, but they throw the gun at Jess, perfectly causing her to fall. Jess does not hesitate, and she continues running, stopping to grab an axe that's on the wall. Jess is met face-to-face with the masked person, them beginning to fight, and Jess disarming disarming them from their crowbar she asks who they are and it is a woman that sounds just like jess mumbling that she has to kill them and that is the only way she will get home jess takes a swing at her but misses when she falls overboard she pants looking up in the sky at the bird squawking before we even get to the next portion of this everybody we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsors Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And we're back. She catches her breath, then hears jazz music playing, and she heads inside a room, moving the needle of the record um, back to be uh, to the beginning. And this movie fucking rules! <laughs> like I love this, and and because like I even I even said here like this is when this movie fucking rocks. Yeah. Like, right when it does this change, this is when this movie fucking rolls. Uh, Freddie, quick uh, favor. Do you mind closing that door for me, actually? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Jess looks at, at herself in the mirror, wiping the little bit of blood off her cheek. She then overhears her friends screaming on the overturned boat below. She slowly moves backwards, bumping into the record on the table, it repeating as she's as she, too, repeats it. Jess goes back, goes back out to look over the ledge, hearing them come um, come over onto the boat. She begins to run down the corridor. As they make it onto the ship, she hides from them as she remembers her footsteps and overhears them walking closer. Her other self, step stopping to look down the hall, tears in her eyes as she waits for Greg and the other Jess to leave. She walks down the hall, hiding and then crying as she curls up towards the floor. Jess drops her keys and runs away into another area in the hallway. She hears the sink in the bathroom, directing her to go uh, together in the um, in blood. Now, I have a theory here with the uh, the keys because it seems like Jess should have two keys, two two sets of keys on her. 
because if she brought these keys on or whatever, I think the keys aren't looping because it's own. It happened when the first chest got there, right? Yeah, and no, I think those things. keys are from the first chest. Therefore, she doesn't get the keys ever again. Right. It, it's it's one of those things where it becomes like an artifact inside this time loop of the only reason she has the keys is because the loop version of herself drops Drop the keys them. and that's how she gets the keys. Right. So it's kind of like um, it's stuck right. within that centered zone. Right. Exactly. And, 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 and it and seems like, like Jess should have two set of keys. Right. And that's the same thing that happens with her locket later on. We we see right. her lose it and we see how she regains it. Exactly. And it's just, Fucking it's just this movie mind fucks you so hard. <laughs> and seeing the keys drop, I'm like, okay, it makes sense. I know where this is going now. Uh, I get what this movie is. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And I, I'll talk a little bit about its name and right. how it correlates with everything with my theory a little bit later. Awesome. She walks down the hall, watching the others and herself arguing until the other Jess, who I'm now going to refer to as OJ, says uh, that she saw someone. Jess makes a run forward uh, to the upper deck trying to catch her breath. She looks into the water, seeing a group of seagulls feeding on Downey's body. And I love the wrap around of the seagulls from earlier uh, of the film when Greg mentions them. Mm-hmm. And like how he says, like, oh, they think we're a fishing boat. And it's no, it's the fact that they... They have endless amount of food supply here. Basically. Because they're just yeah. like, hmm, well, we know what's going to happen. Like, <laughs> Just endless amount of food supply. It's fucking fantastic. Noticing about a bloody handprint, she hears Victor coming outside. He is startled at how quickly she got up there. She begins to frantically tell him about the copy of herself walking and talking with Greg downstairs. Victor is confused. Jess brings him to the banister to look over at Downey's body. All he can see are a colony of seagulls. She throws his apple at them and they all disperse with no body. She continues to try to explain that his... Um, she continues to try to explain that his and everyone else's body are all over the ship. He sarcastically goes over the body count with her. She grabs him, frantically trying to explain the situation, accidentally pushing him to an exposed hook. He uh, It connects with the back of his head. Victor pulls himself off the spike, bleeding from the back of his head. Jess runs away, uh, repeating that she didn't do this. Victor gets up, holding onto the railing, leaving bloody handprints as he tries to walk back down to the ballroom. It's so funny how she just, like, dips out on him. Yeah. It's just like, oh, oh no. It's like, <laughs> God damn it. Now, you know, I, I was thinking about this situation if I was placed into it. And I was just, like, thinking, like, I think I would want to meet my other self. At that point in time, and 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 like have it be like, yo, there's something fucking crazy with this boat. Obviously, I'm here, and you're here. Uh, let's figure this out together. Like, right? No one go anywhere. Right? Exactly. Like, you know, I'll go as just number one since I was here first, and you go as just number two. Right. Yeah. I mean, the sad reality is that these events already happened, so it's just constantly has to be in that loop. Exactly. You can't really break out of it, which is the sad part. Exactly, it's which she's trying mean. to though, right? She's she's trying to f- figure out, and this is her the other alternative that we right. go through with this Jess, and it, it, it fits inside that little paradox. It's like if you would have fixed the loop, you'd be out of the loop, right? So if yeah. you're in the loop, you never fix you never the loop. fix it. Exactly. Sorry, honey. She runs. 
<laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> she runs, hiding behind the corner from uh, her other self and Greg. She continues moving towards the boiler room. She is holding her. Uh, she is holding her, trying to catch her balance and sanity while thinking about what uh, what Greg said to her about this being in her head. While gaining her composure, she is kneeled down, looking at a piece of paper on the ground. It reads, "Quote: If they board, kill them all." End quote. She grabs another paper. Th- uh, them all saying the same thing. Jess grabs another page, rewriting the note, checking to see if it was it is actually her handwriting. Love it. She goes to the closet, seeing the jumpsuit as she remembers uh, when she had to when she had her other encounter. She opens the armory door as the voice in her head repeats for her to kill them all if they're if they're bored. Excuse me, kill them if they bored. She loads the gun, crying, then says "fuck you" to herself in the mirror, stopping the voices. Jess sits down, sobbing. Looking down, she notices her locket with her son's picture in it. Picking it up, she notices that there are a bunch of necklaces that have fallen down. And I love how this really just grasps how long she's actually been stuck in this cycle. Yeah, very long time. A long fucking so many time. A long time. And that's why I think her clock said the original time and their clock is the real time. Right. So like Greg's clock is the real time frame of it actually being 1130. But I think when they first got there, it was 817, which is why the loop continues inside that boat. But it being 1130, I think now it's just like the time is actually moving for the others, just not Jess, which mm-hmm. is fucked up, but it's rad. <laughs> Her necklace gets caught, falling into the pile. She whispers her son's name, then grabs a bag full uh, full of shells. Um, and by shells, I don't mean like seashells. I mean like like shotgun shells. Shotgun shells. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the couple are uh, completing their scenario. As is Greg. Jess is walking down the hall, gun at the ready. She runs to Vic- runs into Victor, letting him know that she didn't mean to hurt him, and that she is trying to convince him that she is there to help them get off the ship. She quickly turns the other di- the other direction when she hears OJ coming into the uh, the ballroom. She hides around the corner, watching her her other self spotting Victor. Jess immediately comes out of her hiding place, pointing to the pointing the gun at OJ, whispering that she's not her. OJ is holding her hands up as Jess cries that she isn't um, her once again, hesitating to pull the trigger. OJ runs out of the ballroom when Jess doesn't pull the trigger. She looks over at Victor, assuring him that she isn't crazy. He falls down the falls down in the seat, and Victor's probably just like, "Fuck, maybe I'm crazy because like I'm dying." Like right. so, like maybe I'm just seeing shit right now. Jess runs over to him, letting him know that he has he has to be strong while she goes to get the others. A gunshot is heard ringing throughout the ship. Scenario one is now happening again with the other Jess, and it's with the other other Jess. So I love that. I love that the the scenarios are just flip flopping right now. It's it works awesome. so well too. It's so good. It's so good. Jess runs out of the uh, ballroom into the theater where the couple is uh, tending to Greg. Jess comes into the theater pointing the gun at Sally, um, who was about to call her a fucking, and then her words trail off because that gun is pointed directly. I was like, bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Jess tells them that they don't have enough time pushing them back out of the way from another gunshot from above. She shoots the mass Jess, connecting the shot on the top of her head. In the hallway, Downey asks who, who was that and what is going on, Jess saying that it is starting over again, telling them to follow her. 
while walking down the hallway, she is saying that they can change the pattern and get off. The group, the couple thinking that uh, she is in- she is insane, Jess comes back to them telling them to listen to her. Downey mentions that he's prepared to if she starts making sense. She hands him the gun, telling him to trust to not trust anyone and to shoot anyone who comes down. And it's funny because it's just like, what if she came back? Which she technically does. Yeah. But yeah. like you just you just you just gave them permission to shoot you. <laughs> I hope you I know. That. So, yeah. She is off to get Victor in the ballroom, calling for him, but no answer. She follows a trail of blood that leads over to the boat. A gunshot is fired, just running back towards the couple. Downey fires two warning shots, demanding for whoever they are to call to call out um who they are. OJ takes the sack off of her head, letting them know that it is her. Blood trailing off her face walking towards the couple. Downey asks for where Victor is, OJ claiming that he's he's dead and that um he will um and he fell over the side. They don't immediately trust her, but she tells them to follow her if they want to live. Shout out to the Terminator. <laughs> follow me if you want to live. <laughs> Jess comes around the corner calling for Downey while the other Jess tells them to ignore it. She um has this sinister look on her face while they are following her asking her what's going on. OJ brings them to room 237, while Jess continues to yell uh, for them, um, shouting that they are in danger. OJ closes the door, placing her bag on the bed. Downey is about to ask what is going on there, but OJ slits Downey's throat. Sally runs over towards him, OJ stabbing her in the stomach. She then um, goes back to stabbing Downey repeatedly. This is brutal. So crazy. But it's so good. Yeah. It, so good. It's a very intense bloodbath scene for sure. Yeah. Because he just gets stabbed repeatedly. Oh, yeah. She's over fucking him over up, again. dude. Like, and legit. Like, it's. This is why you don't go into room 237. I mean, say. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just runs after Sally, trying to tell her that it it wasn't her as Sally runs into the boiler room. Sally continues running, trying her best to hide, but she hears a clanging noise comes uh comes closer towards her. Jess comes into the room, calling for her, Sally continuing to move towards the radio. She speaks quietly into the radio, calling for help. Greg's voice comes through, asking for her position, but she is turned away when Jess calls for her once again. Sally runs up the ladder, Jess coming um, behind her, but stopping when she hears Greg on the radio. She speaks for Greg to hear her, but he ha- but he doesn't, just static with him calling back from the distress call love the callbacks man comes like, full circle exactly and it, and what's beautiful behind this when we first hear it that's scenario two that's happening when we're on the boat when we're actually with uh greg answering the call when he calls the coast guard and things right. like that like that scenario two already happening and when they get there or maybe vice versa maybe the, like Maybe we should call scenario two is when they first got there. Right. There's like three scenarios, I guess. Technically. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. there, there's a nice, yeah, there's a nice ample amount of, of different things that are kind of happening um, within this whole thing. Which yeah. Is so it's cool. like scenario one where it's her defeating the person in the mask. Uh, scenario two is basically her going past that point, right. creating the new scenario of the re- uh, repeat. Right. And then scenario three is her being the person in the mask. Right. And it's it's kind of like it's kind of like her, like scenario three being um, the killer, I guess. The killer, you're right. Yeah, yeah, she's the killer. And scenario two is like we're trying to escape the boat with everybody, right? Which is interesting. And 
that was where trying to escape the boat with everybody instead of her being completely the killer. Right. When we have scenario one with other Jess being the actual killer with the blood pouring down her head, and it's just fucking this movie fucking rules. It's yeah. so confusing, but it's so great. Jess heads up the ladder and then um, some stairs calling for Sally. She makes it to the top where Sally is surrounded by dead duplicates of herself. And this fucking looks so great. cool. This looks great. Yeah, this I did great. not expect that you at didn't. all. No, it was oh, so I love good it. to like, look at. Uh, it's it great. Looked, yeah, it This great. looks awesome. You know, and seagulls are shit are fucking like eating on her, shitting on her the whole yeah. nine. And it, this is insane. Sally crawls into a corner, just trying to help her while Sally is weakly telling her to get away from her. She assures Sally that she isn't the one doing this, asking for uh, the whereabouts of Downey. Sally sobbing that Jess killed him. Jess hears scuffing, um, scuffling on the front of the ship. She looks over the ledge, noticing not one, but two duplicates of herself fighting each other, just as she did earlier. So we're now l- witnessing Scenario one, I guess maybe even both, right? Scenario one and three, battling it out. Yeah. So we're going to now get another Jess on this ship. So we got three Jesses on the ship at once, everybody, if we're trying to keep track, (laughs) which is great. Throwing the defeated Jess overboard, although she actually kills this one, right? Cause she, cause, uh, no, she takes a she miss? but she misses. Okay, that's what I thought. Goes into the water. Uh, Jess goes back to Sally, reassuring her that they are going uh, to escape. Sally pleads for her not to hurt her, Jess letting her know that she isn't going to hurt her, telling her to hold on, promising that she will be able to see Downey again. But Sally dies in the mist. Jess um, can hear uh, Jess can um, hear yelling from the crew yet again. Her whispering that the boat returns when everyone is dead. And I love that concept of like it's their reset button. Once yeah. everyone dies, it starts again. Awesome. Jess runs below towards the crew, listening to them as they pass by. She goes towards the front of the ship, watching the overturned boat wash away in the ocean. Headed downstairs in the boiler room, trying to pull levers, beat uh, beat pipes um, to stop the ship from continuing its sickening cycle. Dropping to the floor, exhaustedly crying that she wants to go home. Cut to Jess overhearing her other self arguing with Victor. Once OJ... Excuse me. Once OJ runs away, uh, she heads upstairs to Victor, telling him not to be scared and that she knows how to save him. She heads inside the bathroom in room 237, Downey on the floor, blooded, um, bloodied, beginning to write Jess's name on the mirror. She pulls him out of the way, using his blood to complete the writing, then disposes of Downey's body. Next up, the theater to move Greg's body. And... I, I love this. I love how fast it's happening now. Right. Right. Like, I, I love that they didn't have to, like, sugarcoat it and let us know, like, okay, it's happening again. I love how quick it's happening. And we're still seeing it from a very different perspective, which is great. Yeah. It's awesome. Because we see this just go through all ser- scenarios. She goes to scenario one, scenario two, and scenario three. That's true. Yeah, she does. So and it's she, really cool seeing that all come together, too. Yeah. Because then it's putting all the puzzle pieces together, and we can kind of have the full picture of what's really going on. Exactly. Exactly. Cut to the uh, to the live versions of the couple inside the ballroom, just standing in the doorway. She walks into the room, Downey asking for the whereabouts of Greg. Jess monotonically says that um, she wants them to all meet in the theater. She walks out, Downey asking uh, where she is headed, and she tells them that she will meet them there. Back inside the armory, Jess grabs the gun and puts on the jumpsuit, headed back up the stairs. And I like this because it, it kind of gives you a sense of Act 1, Act 2, Act three yeah because like right now we're now in act three 
Yeah. And I feel like that's when it starts when I feel like Act 3 probably started when she saw the group come back and she kind of put two and two together. But I feel like yeah. this is where Act 3 really starts. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, too, because I feel like and we'll get into I can we'll say my theory later, but <laughs> uh, it, it comes together into like a triangle format of how the story yeah, three sides and yeah we'll get into it soon very yeah. soon she is walking towards greg and oj and then she fo- uh, she follows greg who is now alone she points the gun at greg he quickly looks over the banister noticing the couple once he turns around he quickly throws his hands up trying to reason with um the hidden jess he looks uh he looks down at her shoes noticing that it is jess um and starts asking her what she do what is she doing she tells uh, she tells him about the loop and a different jess that is with a different him <laughs> Greg asks for her to put down the gun. She tells him her plan to wait at the loading bay for the next yacht to appear, not allowing any of them to get onto the ship. She tries to reason with um he tries to reason with her again, but she apologizes, shooting him off the banister. We relive the scenario of Jess slaughtering the couple, but from her perspective at the top of the banister missing oj oj runs into the kitchen grabbing the knife she uh she's uh excuse me just follows just following her with the gun in hand she waits for her to come hitting her in the back with back of the head with the gun oj pleads for her not to kill her saying that she has a son just hesitates for a moment and just um and just like before oj dodges the shots of the gun and begins to and begins to run they continue living out their early their earlier encounter, Jess hitting OJ with another weapon. They continue to fight. OJ getting the upper hand, just telling telling her that she has to um, she has to kill them, and um, that is the only way she will be able to get back home. OJ takes a swing at her, just falling overboard the ship. Cut to Jess waking up um, on a secluded sandy beach, just as she did from her nightmare while on the yacht. The fucking callbacks, man. These goddamn callbacks are so good. She begins walking in an unknown field until she reaches a highway. Jess continues running home. Her neighborhood, her neighbor uh, mowing his lawn just like before. She is confused as she looks at everything the way it was before she left for the day trip. Looking inside her window at her son, Tommy painting. She ducks for cover as another Jess is picking up uh, picking up clothes off the rack. The other Jess comes into the house yelling at Tommy about leaving his toys. He is startled at Jess looking at him through the window, OJ coming in, into the room seeing the spilled paint cup, slapping Tommy as he, she continues to yell. And it's this is heartbreaking. Yeah. Because like Jess so relives this over and over and over again too. Yeah. Because she, she even relives it in that moment and she like, she, uh, I guess like, flinches yeah she resents herself for sir exactly for, sure, for doing that right and this is this is her own hell yeah pretty much and then like i got some theories too so we'll we'll definitely go over everything but just reliving this moment sobbing outside our house as Tommy runs into his room, Jess ring, uh, runs to ring the doorbell and walks into the back of the shed to grab a hammer and head inside the house. The OJ, um, the OJ, <laughs> the OJ asking her neighbor if she saw anyone ring her doorbell. And he once again tells her no. And I love this again because he didn't see anybody because it was Jess. Right. Like Jess was there. It's just like, 
So yeah, of course he didn't say anybody, but he did. It's so fucking good. OJ comes back into the house trying to clean off the paint while looking in the mirror. Jess comes um, up behind her, beating the fucking shit out of her as Tommy watches. And it's like she totally does that to herself, and it's the only way I feel like she can kill herself. Yeah. It's so intriguing. She goes inside, because she fucking hates herself. Like, she beat For the that moment, shit out of herself. Absolutely. She hates yeah. herself. And it's, it's it's so beautiful to see it this way. It's in her past self and being able to like look at her mistakes that she's made right. and it's caused her to be literally self-destructing. Right. Absolutely. She goes inside after him, trying to console her son, telling him that she is fine and that he's having a bad dream, explaining that bad dreams make you see things that you haven't. She grabs a duffel bag, stuffing OJ inside the other clothes while taking the locket off her neck. So that's just how we that's see how now how it. she gets to lock it. She then proceeds to put her into the trunk. Cut to her driving down the road, speaking with Tommy, telling him uh, that things will be different and she won't hurt him. She uh, is startled by a seagull hitting her windshield, dying on impact. She stops the car, telling her son to stay in the car as she tries to uh, get out, telling him that she is going to bury the bird. She picks up the bird, pondering over the bridge, or excuse me, over the ledge, looking at all of the other dead seagulls as she tosses this one over the ledge as well. Just like another thing, like, fuck. She's still in the loop. Like, I'm still here. Yeah. Like, this is like what's going to happen now kind of thing. Jess runs back to the car, speeding off from the site. Tommy is screaming and she yells for him to stop screaming as she tries to get the blood off the windshield. She is looking back at her son, trying to console him the best she can, but she drives into an oncoming truck, flipping the car. Everyone runs over to their aid, covering the other um, body of Jess from earlier, while others are holding Tommy's dead body. Jess is out of the car, looking at the wreckage as a driver of a taxi comes up behind her, asking if she is all right. He tells her that it is no point trying to to save Tommy, because there is nothing that will bring him back. Fuck. And I feel like this is death. Yeah. Like, I feel like the driver is death. Yeah, calling her over. Exactly. And she's kind of cheating death. Right. Making the deal and going back to the beginning to restart everything. Exactly. He he asked her if she, because she, she, I guess just to explain this uh, scene a little bit more to everyone else, she's unscathed. Like yeah, she's, she's no, good. Yeah, she's, she's got no scratches, nothing. nothing, no blood, nothing. She's um, completely unscathed. She looked like how she did when she first arrived there. The show on the scene is that she put herself in the trunk. In the, you see right. her body on the ground. Exactly. But her it's not other in the body. bag, too. Right. It's no longer it's in the outside. bag. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's so very interesting. Uh, I can share one of my theories now, I guess, is that Go she's pretty much in purgatory, essentially. That's one of mine. Is that she's kind of reliving her nightmarish decisions that she's made in the past before she died i think she died in that car accident i think so too yeah and yeah pretty I much think, she's trying to go back and change but she can't change the past right yeah so it just loops itself over yeah over i think i think that's that's exactly what it is you know i think right. the whole thing is just her stuck in purgatory and her reliving that moment over and over and over again right. um, and then i also have another theory where i think she actually did cheat death and maybe she did kill her son and I think that first Jess that was in there um, actually did get hurt. And it, we probably saw a very different first scenario from the very first Jess. Interesting. So I don't know. Like, I think this is a very interesting thing of how this all works out. But it's very intriguing. He asked for her to uh, he asked 
her if she if he can give her a ride anywhere and she tells him to take her to the harbor cut to her asleep in the car the driver waking her up when they get there he asks he asks her if she will come back and she tells him that she promises oh so good yeah uh she gets out of the car walking towards the harbor victor greeting her as he walks behind her she doesn't know who he is and he mentions greg he um her asking where he is i think it restarts when the crash happens. I think it restarts when she gets to the, to the harbor. To the harbor. Uh, yeah, you might be right, and actually. I, and this will go into my other theories, like what triangle really means, like the title of the movie. Um, there's a lot of three points. Um, one of them being where like, oh yeah, talking about the seagulls, where we saw the seagull at the very beginning, where it's yeah. full of life, it's flying in, it's in the middle of the ocean. And then we see it eating a dead body. That's mm-hmm. the next time we actually see it. And then at the very end of the movie, we see it, being dead itself. Right. And that's kind of redoing the whole entire loop of death, living, and feeding off the dead. Right. Which is kind of pretty much what she's doing. Uh, another one is that the three points is the locations. So we have the yacht, we have the ship, and we have her on land. Right. And that's a whole entire three point as well. And I was like, maybe this is more of a stretch, but there's that triangle of love as well between Jess, Greg, and Heather, where Heather is left behind in the yacht. Greg is left behind in the ship. And then she leaves herself on land. That might be a bit of a stretch. But to use that exact same concept, I would say, you know what? Let's save this one for the post show. Okay. Because this is this is good stuff. Um, He tells her that she's late as uh, he continues walking towards the yacht with the rope in hand. Victor asks if she is uh, the one with the kid. Uh, She says yes. And he asks why she didn't bring him. She pauses saying uh, that he's in school and continues walking with Victor, Greg asking her if she is okay. She hugs Greg, apologizing, saying that she um, wants to go when he tells her that they don't have to leave. He brings he brings um, her on, introducing her to everyone as they continue prepping the boat, just so we can do it all over again. Then, credits. credits. And it's crazy because the beautiful thing about this movie is if you want to watch it again you technically pick up where you left off at the end of the movie that's true it's so yeah. fucking rad this movie is so good god damn this is genius it's kind of reminds me of like those tiktoks that loop yeah where and it's it, just like very seamless and very right. easy to and look it's just, at it restarts at that same spot yeah. in the, and, you don't, and there's that moment where it's like so you can't cool. really tell where it cuts to which is great yeah um because the camera starts lifting again just how it did in the original in the beginning and I love how the the first part of this movie starts with her being so weird and very strange and giving that weird but uh, very emotional hug. Yeah. Now you have the context of why. Right. And it's very impactful. Exactly. So, so well good. done. Well so done. fucking good. Mamma Mia Pizzeria. Mm, agreed. <laughs> but I got some movie facts for us here. Movie facts. <gasps> This film makes many oblique references to The Shining. The number 237 crops up, um, which was the same number of the spooky hotel room Danny was forbidden to go into. There are also words written on the mirror, a ballroom and an axe. Good call. Yeah. Good callbacks. Um, it is possible to see the set of the ship at Southport Spit, Southport, Queensland, Australia on Google Earth. The exact uh, coordinates are in numbers. I'm not saying them. The film is actually (laughs) set in Miami, Florida, but was filmed entirely in Queensland. Both Florida and Queensland are known as the Sunshine State, a nickname used on a road sign in the film. Fucking genius. It's very cute. So nice. Uh, Let's get a few more here. Um, 
The Elios, the ship that just and the others jumped to, is named after the ancient mythology Greek ruler of the winds, which we got in the story. Um, Lindsay Lohan was rumored to play the lead of this role. Thank God she didn't. <laughs> Martin Henderson uh, was also considered uh, for the uh, role as well. And I don't, I don't think I know who Martin Henderson is. Um, oh, I know who he is. He played in the ring. Like from 2002, he was in like the ring, smoking aces. He's like that actor that you always know See, by you face, yeah. and you're just like, I have no idea who this is. Like, <laughs> like you don't so. know his name, but you know his face. <laughs> um, let's get. Oh yeah, you know him now. Not see his face. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So let's get let's get two more in here. When boarding the cruiser, the group finds the ship is called. Um, um, God damn it. I'm you know what? I'm not gonna do that one because that word is just way too hard for me to say. Um the the driver at the end is basically the ferryman, the entity that delivers lost souls to the purgatory. This is exactly what Jess is experiencing and why she will never escape the repeated triangle. Our theories were wow. correct. So good. Yes. Uh let's do one more here. Let's get like professional. It's crazy. Yeah, seriously. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot because this one is pretty good. When boarding the cruiser, the group finds the ship is called Aeolus, who is the father of Syphilis. I'm just gonna say syphilis. Totally not it. Syphilis or whatever in Greek mythology. Um, as explained, um, he broke a promise with death. He was punished with the task where he would have to push a boulder on top of a hill. However, every day the boulder would roll back down, making him doomed to be stuck doing the task forever. This foreshadows just promising the taxi driver to return, only to break her promise and go on sale go on a sail trip. She subsequently gets stuck in an endless series as of time loops from which there is no solution. That is fucking genius. Yeah, super smart. Holy shit, that, that now that makes that whole thing even better. The fact that she's literally avoiding death because she she's like or avoiding the ferryman because right. she's just like like I'm I'm I don't want to go with you and he asks her if she's coming back and if she wants to try to save her son right if she can't and and you know I never even think it's that I, I I don't even think it's that I think I think this is something we should say for the post show again yeah. but damn what a fucking movie what a fucking movie let us know over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod that's night with K what you think about Triangle because this movie is a fucking rush it's such a rush i love it so much it's so much fun so much fun but let us know what you think about it over there the next film that we are going to be covering and the one that's going to be concluding our month as well also everybody i didn't state this earlier make sure to donate as well if you can if you have the means i don't want to force you um but uh, if you do have the means please help us out with these donations we are trying to make this planet a better place and a place that we can forever call home um because there is no planet b even though they're trying to make a planet B, we're not going to let them stop Mars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the next one that we are going to be covering, everybody, is Ghost Ship. I am so excited to Me cover too. Ghost Ship. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, so oh I can't my wait. God. I love it so much. Oh, spoilers already. <laughs> but let us know what you uh, guys think of Triangle over on Twitter. This was Nightlight, an horror movie podcast. I feel like I should switch it up every now and then. A whole, a whole movie podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights, and along the we had Freddie. Always keeping it spoopy. Also known as Nighty Knights. Our efforts to get a show, this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife, and that's not what they were. Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show early and ad-free as Monday with a post show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.